Hello and welcome to Point Streak, a podcast where we talk everything gaming and the issues that concern gamers. We're all members and contributors at Enthusiacs.com and thank you once again for joining us. You can follow us on Twitter at Enthusiacs or check out our YouTube channel Enthusiacs where all our video content resides. I'm your usual host, Jeff or Baron Fang, and today I am joined by Chris. How are you? Good. How are you? Good. Uh, also joined by Goose. Doing well. And lastly, by G-Man himself. How are you, G-Man? Good evening. So what has everyone been playing lately? We'll start with you, Chris. Uh, words I never thought I'd say, but actually right before this, <laughs> I got completely distracted and lost in Super Mario Odyssey. Um, I have been playing Pokemon Ultra Moon, which just came out this week, and that's really that's about it for right now. Cool. Well, that's enough. <laughs> uh, Goose, what's been keeping you busy? Well, I just finished the um, South Park Fractured But Whole about an hour ago. I've been playing some Battlefront 2, and I've been really getting into um, Back to the Future 2 on the Super Famicom. Cool. Wait, specifically the Super Famicom version? Yeah, it was never released here in the States. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. It's, you know, now you mention it, I remember the angry video game nerd touching on that. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> not, not necessarily a highlight of, of, of the series, perhaps, but... Um, G-Man, what's uh, been on your gaming plate? Uh, I haven't. It hasn't really changed uh, in a while, so it's just been Stellaris and Warframe. <laughs> yeah, and for myself, a uh, little bit of Warframe earlier in the week, but since then, mostly Far Cry Primal, um, which I think I'm about halfway through now. Never played a Far Cry game before, which, and it's a pretty weird one to start with, to be honest. It's a bit unconventional as Far Cry game goes. Uh, games go um well let's get to the topic at hand and i i tr usually try not to make this show too topical because it um i don't i don't want a situation where year uh, you know months or years later the episodes are irrelevant but honestly i think this is an evergreen subject and it's probably going to get worse before it gets better so we're going to be talking about the controversy and i should say controversies surrounding star wars battlefront 2 all the attendant nonsense uh, with loot box, pay to win, and everything else. Did you say uh, I don't... Luke box or loot box? Because either one loot, would be loot... appropriate. I either one would work, but I was I was aiming for loot box. <laughs> um, and and, uh, and then this, you know, some surrounding nonsense as well. Um, I, I I we could probably record this episode a year from now with some other game uh, and and some other publisher and and to much the same effect. Um, I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe uh, maybe the recent stuff that's gone down will actually promote some positive change, but somehow I doubt it. So just to give a little bit of a, a recap, um, Star Wars Battlefront Two is a direct sequel to the game from three years ago. Am I right? About a three year gap to the last one. Um, this is EA Dice that's developing the game, and the last game was—I don't know what—is what, it fair to say the main criticism of the last game was the fact they didn't have a campaign mode for single player? That's—I think that's probably the main criticism that I kept hearing. That's, um, that's, not, that's right. a bigger one, yeah. There were a couple, yeah. here and there, um, D DLC yeah. and campaign, and lack of space battles were the three biggest ones. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, um, somewhat cut down is from what I heard. 
Yeah, yeah, just uh, not not as much content as I think people have taken for granted as being part of the base product. So I think they, they were trying to address a lot of that criticism. And obviously there is a, a far more substantial single player campaign. I mean, you can't turn on a T I, I can't turn on the TV at least up until recently without seeing short ads about the campaign. <laughs> um, and uh, it se it seems like they, they've probably beefed up some of the other content, on the other hand, they've also gone completely full throttle on the loot box and <laughs> pay-to-win type uh, stuff that, that has got everyone upset at the moment. And um, <laughs> over the last few weeks, it's gotten so bad that as of a few days ago, they actually uh, temporarily stopped the premium, con uh, premium currency from the game that allows you to just buy unlocks rather than grind them out I, I don't know i i heard a figure of about two thousand hours to unlock most of the content is that is that accurate i, I keep seeing As that repeated 100 and... was the number that's going around yeah so uh yeah i either a huge a certain amount of money or a certain amount of hours that was uh, a little bit excessive for a game that's you know 60 dollars us right off the shelf um so it's it's been a bit of a cluster i think it's it's fair to say and you know some people are calling this a victory some people have pointed out that this is uh you know they're they're just going to turn it off until things die down turn it back on again um you know people tend to have short attention spans gamers tend to have short attention spans um they're going to they've committed to tweaking things ch changing the uh grind times etc um Apparently, apparently, a lot of this stuff came out in the beta. That's the long and the short of it, right? The people that were playing the beta before the game had had like actually launched a few days ago, had been complaining about this stuff, and it sort of reached a fever pitch. Um, just to kick off the discussion, so there seems to be a gap between what EA's goals are as a company and what their customers actually want now. It's it's gotten it, it used to be. Um, it used to be a little bit understandable. Now it's gotten to the point where they almost seem to be mutually incompatible goals. You know, players want a particular type of game, and companies like EA want to make games in a particular way that suits their bottom line at the expense of literally everything else. By the look of it, um, like the design of the game is directly tied to these drops and, and loot boxes. They're, it, you're not you're not just making a battlefield or a battlefront game anymore. You're making a delivery system for loot boxes, and I don't know. I mean, I, I hear I hear a lot of apologists for this sort of stuff. And Chris, do do you do you see there ever being a, a happy medium being reached here, or is this just a point at which there you know pe people are just going to stop buying these games, or the games aren't just going to make enough money and they're going to stop making them. Like, what's, what seems more likely to happen first? Well, I mean, there's definitely a happy medium that's achievable. There's a lot of games, both free and paid, and the, the big example I can think of paid is Overwatch. Um, but a lot of mm. free-to-play games have strictly cosmetic stuff that's you know locked behind a paywall so you can essentially purchase microtransactions for skins or whatever. And Overwatch is you know the big name game that you pay up front to own the game and you can unlock things with real money or you can unlock it by grinding so it's a model that can work um but ea just chooses i guess to go with paid actual content instead of just cosmetic stuff for now yeah 
Um, so Goose, as someone who has some experience with this series, uh, can you can you just explain for the uninitiated what the, the what what the concerns about pay to win are? I mean, we're we're talking about a situation where, if I'm not mistaken, someone could plunk down forty fifty dollars and unlock characters that will give them a direct advantage over people that have played the game for a certain amount of time, like from the moment they plunk down their money. Is that that's basically the long and the short of it? That was the key concern going in is that you would have people who were buying the game, but then the people who were plunking down, like you said, the forty or fifty or God forbid even hundreds of dollars into the into the <laughs> game, they would have so much of an advantage it would basically break the balance and no one would have any fun unless you were spending money. Now, like you said, and Chris pointed out, you can definitely have a happy medium in this situation with making cosmetics where you can buy them, but everything else is unlocked. Now, in a game where it's you versus the computer, for example, I personally wouldn't care about that because you're getting an advantage over the AI. So no one's getting, no one's yeah. really getting hurt there except for you breaking your own balance. In the game like this, you definitely want to make sure that you put people on a level playing field because otherwise you'll have at least half your member base just stop playing. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if this is oversimplifying my impression of a Battlefront or Battlefield game because I've never played one before. But I gather when you start a round, you start as sort of like a grunt-like character, right? And then you, you run around, and as you do better in the round, you gain the potential to become like hero classes or better characters is that is that how it sort of works is there's a prog progression within a round or within a game itself exactly when you start off you have like um one or two classes you can choose from and then as you earn points through kills or objectives you then can get better and better characters and eventually you can earn the hero yeah but is the is the is the paying customer is the, is the is the paying customer being able to affect that process of like what's available to them once they reach that certain threshold like exactly that was one one oh, okay. one example in particular was the Darth Vader unlock most infamously which started off being yeah. you could pay for it or it was an 80 hour unlock it was then dropped to a 40 hour unlock and i believe that's where it still sits but honestly i have not looked myself to see <laughs> Yeah. I mean, G-Man, you, you've you've played online games before, and I know you're probably, uh, you know, probably more PV than PVP. But I mean, it, it does it it does to me, at least I don't know how you feel about it. There, there's something there's something about the, the inherent unfairness of it that just rubs one the wrong way, doesn't it? Mm, <laughs> yes, uh, I think the. The issue is is that when you look at games like Overwatch, which I also own and occasionally play, or games uh, like um, League of Legends, uh, they don't mm. tend to lock classes. There seems to be a very much distinct impression that when you're doing these online uh, games that you do not lock classes, you do not lock weapons behind the paywall. You might lock skins, you might lock some fancy, shiny, uh, awesome thing behind a paywall, but you probably wouldn't uh, lock the lock the classes. And I think that's one of the big issues that comes down to it. Right. Yeah. Um, and and I, you know, for 
I don't know. A, a game, a game like Overwatch is a, is a good example, at least in terms of the gameplay, because it's a game that lives and dies by its balance, right? Yeah. And I imagine Chris, League of Legends is much the same way. I mean, once someone right. becomes once too overpowered, you you risk getting to a certain. If you don't address it, at some point, people are going to stop playing. You know, you you, you know if 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 uh, if it's known that uh, you know. If you, if it gets to the point where you're waste you feel like you're wasting your time because there's inherent disadvantages or advantages that cannot be overcome by skill or, or randomness or, or anything uh, in a game where you're going to be investing time and money eventually you might just decide that you don't want to do either uh, now granted this is a situation where everyone's paying 60 up front uh, so really what they're missing out on is you know potentially refunds I suppose but mostly it's the ability to soak them down the line which is a whole another <laughs> kettle of fish, uh, but they they can't they they can't not deal with this. Of course, part of the reason that they can't not deal with this is because because they the budgets on these games are so ridiculously high, and because you can't make a Star Wars game cheaply, it costs money to be able to play in that space. You've got to be able to make millions and millions. I mean, it it this I mean, Chris, this is a case where. You know they they can't they they they're not going to be happy if this game sells millions and millions of copies because millions and millions is not enough millions and millions is enough for them to like maybe break even they have to be a huge smash hit and keep people happy over a certain period of time uh, I mean do they have any chance of doing that given that they've really tripped over themselves out of the gate or, or is this, is this this a game that can even be saved at this point Well, from what I've read just recently. Um... It sounds like EA was expecting to ship about 14 million copies of Battlefront 2. And mm. I think that projection is down now. I don't think they expect to meet that goal anymore. Um, yeah. And I, I, I'm not optimistic that that's really going to hurt their bottom line because EA also has their you know big sports franchises that they can put out every year. So even if Battlefront 2 kind of flops, I don't think it's going to be a deal breaker. Yeah, I, 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 assu- I assume that to them, the fact that they are the exclu- you know, the only guys that can play with a Star Wars license means that if there's a few ups and downs here and there, they can absorb that. But just given how much money they spend on individual games, they it doesn't it doesn't seem to me that they can afford to screw things like like this up over and over again. Well, I think the bigger issue for EA, at least in this case, is um, upsetting Disney because. Uh, with yeah. with the new Star Wars movie coming out right around the corner, you know, a few weeks away, um, they have more to fear from possibly losing the cash cow of the Star Wars license from Disney yeah. going to some other publisher. In fact, it just came out maybe six hours or so ago I was reading that it was, in fact, the Disney CEO who got in touch with people at Electronic Arts, which is the reason they froze the loot thing to begin with, because I'm guessing, according to them, he told them, quote, it's making us look bad and hurting our bottom line. Yeah, uh, inter- interesting that it, uh, it it does make you think, Goose. I mean, what would have happened if that phone call wasn't made? Would they have just sat back EA style and, and just sort of ignored the outrage? That, that would have been my guess. But yeah, Big Daddy Warbucks got on the phone and said, uh, fix it. And so they like, oh, we're real sorry, guys. <laughs> But yeah, without that, I would guarantee it would have remained exactly as it was because, like you pointed out, EA has proven they're not necessarily a company that takes quote-unquote feedback. But as soon as it starts hurting the bottom line, they make decisions. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's uh, it's interesting. Do do you think that there's uh, do do you think that there's any chance, Goose, of if if there's a third one of this series, do, do you see a few years from now them getting it right out the gate, or is is this just going to be a continual case of them ramping up the these the sorts of uh, you know opportunities for microtransactions, loot loot boxes, etc. Un, until you know un, until it gets to the point where they're steadily losing money on games. I honestly think at this point that this game is going to be their make or break when it comes to their relationship with Disney, with their being able to hold on to the Star Wars franchise. How they handle things going forward with this release, I think, is going to definitely make a huge impact years down the road onto the Star Wars license as a whole when it comes to video games. Because this could be – it probably won't be, but this could be a turning point if they actually take feedback and make these loot things the way that the fans want them, the gamers want them then this could be the start of maybe a turnaround for the Star Wars license. But if it isn't, I project we'll see someone else as the steward of Star Wars within, I would say, maybe three years. Yeah. Like, you know, like I said, it's just it's such an expensive license to play with. Like right out of the gate, you're setting a very high bar for what you have to be able to make, you know. Like, I mean, G-Man, you, you play a lot of science fiction-themed games, original IPs, basically. They can do what they want with them. Uh, I, I, it, it, I just have to... I, it's, it's, too, it's too easy not to notice that when, when you're a smaller company or even a large company that isn't paying huge license fees, you can make the game that you want to make, not have to worry about pleasing a license holder with things like story and content and canon and all that. And on, and on top of that, you don't have to set some ridiculous earnings target straight out the gate that, you know, encourages you to do all this anti-consumer practice nonsense, do you? No, no. Um, I, it seems to be that uh, it's rather more the tradition in sci-fi to uh, go for a game that is your own IP. Mm. Whether or not that's just because uh, there aren't that many sci-fi IPs that aren't kind of superhero-y or something along those lines um or whatever other reason it might potentially be um but i think largely speaking it seems to be that when it comes to these sorts of really big licenses it changed not only once you got them in your hand it sort of changes the numbers that you can expect because well star yeah. wars where else are you going to go for Star Wars, especially Star Wars Battlefront, and especially yeah. a, a recreation or perhaps a remastering, if you wish to use the term, of um, one of the most popular Battlefront games? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, so, you know, this, this of course, this controversy came right on the back of the controversy surrounding the ridiculous Call, Call of Duty World War II loot boxes dropping on Normandy Beach and stuff. So inter interesting that we've had that those two right right after one another. Um, I mean, Chris, do, do you see do you see the worm turning on this? Like, do you, do you think that this these practices are going to get unpopular enough that uh, the blowback's going to be enough that companies might actually dial back on this a little bit well i think it's possible now especially that um social media seems to have picked up on it and i don't know if i, I imagine this probably would be addressed at some point but there was a whole reddit fiasco with battlefront 2 where they got <laughs> an impressively yeah. large record holding number of downvotes on you know a reply to a user's comment about the loot boxes so yeah. i think 
if nothing else, even if it's not, you know, a major change, there's sort of an awareness that I don't necessarily think was there. Um, or, I'm not sure awareness is the right word, but people do seem to be caring about it. Um, even if it's yeah. just, hey, I'm going to go on Reddit and downvote this comment because everybody else is doing it and it's funny, which is partly mm-hmm. why I downvoted it. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but even so, you know, you've got almost 700,000 people that have seen that comment and have, you know, taken the time to kind of investigate the circumstances around it. And that's not an insignificant number. So whether it's going to go away, maybe not right away, but I think there's sort of a, a consciousness about it in the gaming community that, you know, poses a, a threat to any company that's willing to, like, push paid products or, pay, you know, paid loot yeah. box type things on players. Yeah, um, I mean, I don't know if this sounds far-fetched to you, Goose, but, like, do you think at some point some company, and it may be a, med, a mid-sized one that's making wants to make a name for themselves, might actually start using the ill will towards this stuff to almost market their own game to be like, hey, differentiate, look, look at us, we're differentiating ourselves, we're saying up front we're not putting this stuff in our game and, and actually saying that's a feature so to speak like could you do you see it i'm actually seeing the odd comment in an interview or two from developers saying that they wouldn't do this but i wonder do you think there's an opportunity for someone to just come out even a big a big company and just say yeah we're not putting that in this game and and maybe reaping the benefits of that oh absolutely i could definitely see a company for example they're already talking about a follow-up to overwatch coming in a few years they could use that in fact, just in the last few days, Blizzard has been kind of trolling EA on their social media, talking about how long it takes <laughs> to unlock certain features in their game. So I could definitely see, especially an up-and-comer who sees this and wants to really get their name in, and what better way to mm. get goodwill for your first game even than to go against the company most gamers don't like. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. Blizzard, actually. It was it was StarCraft two that just went free-to-play. Uh, last week, oh, yeah. and they, part of their advertising campaign for that was to use um, the EA controversy <laughs> and say, "Hey, none of our stuff is locked behind a paywall. You can play completely <laughs> free. You play all the races. Yeah. You can play all the co-op commanders." So that's savvy. Uh, that, that that is savvy. You know, like e- even if even if they're guilty of some stuff <laughs> completely separate to this, uh, you know, it's it's an opportunity to uh, to to benefit off of uh, the the controversy and you know i you you can't you can't argue with it at some point that it is a that <laughs> they are they are right about that um uh g man do you do you see it getting to the point where you might actually see games um like failing to break even or or losing money if they don't uh, react in a more consumer friendly way or ha- have we reached that point no yet? I, I don't see it happening because the issue of these loot boxes is, is that um, they're basically pure profit. Um, you do not have to, once the system's set up, you don't have to put much effort at all into doing it. And once that's there, it's almost, you just need to make sure you maintain itself, maybe add new systems when you add the DL, inevitable DLC or other content updates, which again only works in your favor because, yeah, you're diluting the loot pool, which further pushes the odds against you, um, against yeah. against the average player, and people will buy this stuff. Like, 
um, just to round back, the reason one of the reasons why they're doing this so badly is because Mass Effect showed that people were willing to pay for it, and I have a sinking suspicion that that's the reason why they're doing it in this sort of way. Is because people pay yeah. a lot of money for that, and they looked at that and they're like, "Hold on, this is actually worth more than the fucking game." Yeah. Sixty dollars is nice. But you know where the real money is? It's in this. And you can see it with their yeah. other FIFA games. Because one of the biggest modes that they do is Ultimate Teams, which is basically, um, you have a, it's like a football league. You know, yeah. a, a, a fantasy football league. Uh, that's British football, not American football. Uh, <laughs> uh, but basically, you pay for cards. You can get them by playing, but you, a lot of the time you end up paying for cards. And people have spent hundreds thousands of pounds on this stuff like uh uh one of the big names uh big name son uh man uh he used to be chelsea's manager uh, forgive me i'm not very good with football names um it's, what Mourinho or somebody thank you, thank you Mourinho. jose Mourinho. uh his son ended up spending like five or six hundred pounds and he talked about oh my goodness. well he, he if you ask him about it he will tell you his son had spent that spent that sort of cash and yeah, the, one of the jokes yeah. going around when he turned up at the com- at one of their conferences was, "Oh yeah, that's what he's doing to pay off his son's debt." <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, it is kind of easy money for them, isn't it? Um, I, I, I think it might get to the point where you know the every, you do hear the odd comment about you know the glorified gambling randomness aspect of it. What um, it- might might end up getting investigated for you know for what for what that uh, well, it, the sort of psychological effects of uh, and predatory effects of that well it really is when you think about it right down to it it really is just pure gambling yeah you know well one thing i did want to touch on uh that was tangential to this which i don't know why i'm surprised but it never never fails to piss me off is the uh is is the 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 um, discussion about the harassment uh, that that went on, um, I, I just want to tell a little anecdote up front to to make a point about this because I I really tired of this this stuff. Um, so I'm a I'm a fan of the uh, classical pianist Glenn Gould. He's mostly well known for Bach interpretations on the piano, but you know he does other stuff in the classical canon, including Beethoven and he does an interpretation of the well-known piece Moonlight Sonata. I, most a lot of people are familiar with it. It's very dark, slow, sad, whatever you want to call it. Uh, tends to be played fairly slowly, um, and and I think the sheet music calls for it to be played at a particular speed, as all sheet music does. Gould did an interpretation of this song that was a little bit more up tempo than the traditional version, and it's. I don't know. It's a little bit polarizing. It isn't. It is, it is a different interpretation. It's different than almost every other interpretation you one would hear of it. You can go on YouTube pretty much at any time and look up videos of of this interpretation and see classical music listeners. And I'll repeat that: classical music listeners speaking to one another in absolutely unspeakably awful ways in YouTube comments. I, I mean vicious. And these are just people who listen to classical music arguing over a, a controversial polarizing interpretation of a piece. 
So whenever I hear, <laughs> whenever I, I hear the the the, con the consistent bugbear about how gamers behave, etc., I I feel the need to point out that the behavior that's being discussed about is not a gamer thing; it's an internet thing. And and I I think as as gamers we we need to stop with this accept this sort of tacit acceptance of collective guilt over the behavior of a few people. I don't understand why it is that we accept uh, getting judged based on the, the the poor behavior of of a few. Like why do we let our worst actors define us? And yet every time something like this happens, instead of talking about the legitimate criticisms of this crap game and its crap practices, we end up getting sidetracked into nonsense discussions about harassment. I'm not saying that there isn't any legitimate harassment going on out there, uh, but it's pretty clear that we've gotten to the point where it is being used to distract from the actual discussion. Uh, just a few short days ago, a non-existent dev uh, for a non-existent team that never worked on EA was cited as being as having been harassed over this Battlefront nonsense. And of course, some mop-headed idiot uh, game journalist decided to run with it without, without verifying it and, and leveled this like collective responsibility on all gamers for this behavior. Like... It, it really is getting to the point where it's covering fire, isn't it, Chris? Like, why are we wasting our time signal-boosting morons or or non-existent people? Uh, is, it, is it just because it's easy to do that, to deflect? Is, is, that, is that it? Or is I, there just, like, this self-hatred within a certain element of the gaming community? No, I really think it is the deflection element. Because, I mean, if you look at a lot of, um, a, a lot of just life in general, I mean... You know, not not to not to get too like far off course, but you see this in politics a lot too. And it doesn't matter, you know, what side you're on of any issue, but that's that's the typical response is you examine the person who who made the claim or the actions of you know a certain person, and it frees you from responsibility. It's basically it's a classic like ad hominem essentially. You know, if mm. if you complain about something and you also issue death threats, then your complaint is not legitimate. And that's yeah, not to say that, exactly. you know, it's not to say that like death threats are something that we should really put up with, but it is totally a deflection from the main issue. Yeah. And, but, but the pro the problem is, is that it's, it's, it's become this like, well, this is indicative of what gamers are like. No, it's indicative. It's indicative of what it's like on the frigging internet. And yeah, yes, it'd be, it'd be preferable if that's what wasn't what the internet is like. And maybe there's a discussion to be ha had about what to do with that. Or, or how to improve that situation, but to but to expect gamers or the people who legitimately complain as consumers about this stuff to accept the criticism uh, as as a group because of psychos or troll trolls or or just people trying to get a rise out of people a, a, instead of actually focusing on what the issues being discussed are themselves, like uh, it, it's it's kind of surprising to me that it doesn't happen more than it does it. it and in this case, you know, the, the case that I cited in particular, it was because the person in question was fictitious. Like they're, they're the person complaining about getting death threats wasn't actually getting any death threats, but I don't know. I, I think, I think uh, people need to get a little bit more thick skinned online, generally speaking. And, 
I, I think as gamers, we just have to stop accepting this. Like we're, we're not, we're not Klingons, you know, like we, we don't, we don't suffer the, the blame. We, we shouldn't be sitting here suffering the stain of what other people are doing, you know, like, oh, the developers are getting death threats. Uh, okay. But that doesn't mean that the criticisms are illegitimate. And it doesn't mean that the people who aren't giving them death threats ha have, should be expected to uh, like the argument I keep hearing is, well, you need to call out this behavior. Well, no, everyone knows that this behavior is unacceptable. Who at this point is confused about that? Like all you're doing is signal boosting these morons by continually letting them be, be the center point of the discussion. I feel like at uh, some I mean, point I, people got to figure out asshole doesn't have a demographic. It's not, no, it's not it, about, it, it's not it, about it gamers. It's not about, classical music people it's not about any of that it's just about for lack of a better word assholes and like yeah. like you said jeff we can't all be held accountable to what the assholes do and just because yeah. someone makes a criticism and they're an asshole about it or even worse like you said it doesn't make the criticism any less valid it means that one person needs to be singled out it doesn't mean that the yeah. the group as a whole has to, I like the Klingon analysis that you made. It, it doesn't mean that we all bear the stain. It means that they bear the shame alone. And what the yeah. what the gaming media does way too often is it puts a spotlight on them. That's what they want. That's why that's mm. why they make death threats. That's why they go after people is because they want attention. It's the old classic yeah. thing, even before the internet existed, that people used to do on the schoolyard. You would act yeah. up to get attention. And it's the same yeah. thing here. And until we get the media to start looking at it that way and then focusing on the larger issue, we're going to always have this, this, for lack of a better word, the mark of Cain. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, uh, I, I can remember a time where I didn't think of Gamer as a group identity. But the more that, the more that it gets criticized, the more, the more that it gets spoken about as though it's a dirty word – all you're going to do is create that group identity, a group identity that's forged in outside attacks. That that's not exactly the most <laughs> that's not exactly the most uh, healthy way for people to band together as <laughs> as like-minded in individuals. There there should be something more that unites gamers beyond that. But more often than not, that that seems to be the case. And you know the the combative relationship between PR people and, and uh, journal journalists and, and gamers. I don't think it's going to get better anytime soon. If they, if they continue to speak about the group, ba you know, based on the actions of a few uh, G man, does any of this community stuff sur surprise you or is, is, is this a storm in a teacup or is it just deflection? Um, I'm inclined to say it's, is it the the concept of group responsibility on the internet, especially with social media, is somewhat far fetched in that there isn't a group. It's a whole to go back. There's like this concept of sea lining, in which <laughs> yeah, and I fucking hate this concept because of what it implies. Is and the concept that basically goes, you are technically harassing someone by going up to them and uh. Might, no, dogpiling is the one, uh, by going up to someone and giving an answer. So if you chuck something out there and two billion, uh, like two million people answer you, 
that's technically harassment because you've dumped so much onto them. But that makes no sense because there is there is no con there's no social cue to say hold on too far now. There's there's no concept of the there's no way the community can inform someone that they should just lay off. There's no concept that it's not you know it's not one person having a conversation with another. Like it's a built millions of people. It's not- millions of people having conversations with millions of other people. And yeah. There's this tendency to imply that a community isn't as is as wider than it actually is because yeah we're a community and you know i would be asking myself jeff if you did something really fucking stupid well why the fuck did you do that you know but that's it's a lot easier to have that conversation or that assess behavior at the level of an individual um but yeah no no once once it gets into the hands of the uh of the, the self-hatred brigade, it, it becomes like, oh, we're all responsible yeah. for it. We need to... We're all responsible for like, everyone else, and it, it's just yeah. not... I'm just, I'm just not taking responsibility for idiots, and I, and I don't waste time talking about them, and I, I, I really think the, the devs and the people that get, get this sort of criticism need to learn to ter- tune it out in some way. Like, set a, set a minimum standard of behavior that you expect people you're going to communicate with on social media, etc., and just block or not respond to the people that go past that line. And I don't think that line's terribly hard to define, you know, like, um, anyway. Um, and then lastly, <laughs> and I guess this is a question for you, Goose, because I don't think uh, Chris or uh, G-Man have actually had a chance to get their hands on it, or I'm not even sure if they intend to uh, now, given <laughs> what's happened, but... Um, You've actually had some hands-on with the game. Is there a decent game there underneath all this crap? It, do, do you see... Could could this be a good game after they take some time to soul-search or whatever the heck they're... Uh, what, the, what they're doing at the moment? Oh, absolutely. This game... Just playing the game with none of the outside interference in it, this game is excellent. I would say it's head and shoulders better than the first game of the DICE series. I would even put it on par with the old Pandemic series, to be honest. But the problem is, like you were saying, there's so much around the game that the game itself almost doesn't even matter anymore. It could, it literally could be diamonds, and no one would care at this point because of the PR yeah. storm that has surrounded it. Yeah, yeah, um, it's it's a it's a shame, you know. Like um, I don't know, me personally, it's not it's not really my type of game, um, but. Yeah, I, I, I can understand why it's popular, and it's just a shame that it's uh, that there's been so much focus on on making it a a, a money funneling machine rather than uh, you know enough focus spent on making it fun. Um, um, thanks, guys. I I, uh, I wanted to cover this one while it was still relatively a hot topic, but uh, I understand. Um, <laughs> I, I get I guess I can understand why people are are upset. Uh, it, it's it's not hard it's not hard to get it, particularly if you've paid sixty dollars up front and you have to deal with this stuff. Um, yeah. Uh, as I mentioned up the top, um, you can follow us on Twitter at Enthusiax or our video channel Enthusiax, where all our uh, let's plays and other video content reside. Uh, you can uh, join in the forum discussions up in the tight 
top right-hand corner of enthusiacs.com there. Our uh, feedback, uh, or sorry, our, ma our mailbag for feedback and suggestions and show ideas is pointstreak at enthusiacs.com if you have any questions. Um, thank you to my guests, to Goose, Chris, and G-Man. Uh, thank you for listening. Join us again on another episode of Point Streak. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Bye-bye. May the force be with you. <laughs>